You know, if you're, if you're the average American, in the course of your life, hold on to your seats here, you're going to spend between 120 and 150,000 hours working. Ooh. I mean, that, that includes the commute, getting ready for work, thinking about work, and then actually, actually working when you get there. 40% of your waking hours you will spend doing my work. Think about that. That's more than you'll spend with your family, eating, drinking, relaxing, vacationing. Altogether, you will spend more time working. The fact is, my work dominates your life and mine. And today what I want to do is look at what God has to say on this topic. And young people especially, listen up, because I wish someone had sat me down early, early in my career to, to take a look at what God has to say about work. And what I want to do is give you a way to make my work and my space to give God his place there, because God's word is full uh, of things that will help us with my work, and particularly the book of Proverbs. And don't raise your hand, but I hope you've been reading and taking a look at that book. It's a great read. It was written by the smartest man in the world, smartest person to ever live, by the name of Solomon. Solomon said, you know what? You can tell how wise someone is by the way they approach work. And I'm going to use two scriptures, uh, a couple scriptures as foundational passages. uh, And you have to buy into this. And the first one is, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. In everything you do, put God first. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Those are foundational. If you're going to find success in, in your vocation you have to put God first. You have to give God his place in my space, in my work. Now, how do you do that? How do you give God that that space, particularly when it comes to your work? Well, I think by applying biblical principles to to my work, to what you do uh, vocationally. And regardless of what kind of work you do, whether you're a homemaker or CEO, uh, maybe you teach class, Or maybe for some of you, you're still in class and studying. If you're an employer or an employee, it doesn't really matter. You know, whether you're about to retire or maybe you're just putting together your first resume. I think what we're going to talk about today, regardless of what you do, that you can put some of of these things in in place in, in my work, so to speak. And the first thing that you've got to do is establish a plan. And we're going to do a little more teaching this morning than, than normal. So we're going to be hitting a lot, of, a lot of text. But one of the key differences between successful people and unsuccessful people, successful people have a plan. Successful people understand the importance of majoring in the majors. They have a sense of mission, so to speak, in their life. They, they live life on purpose. You know, and we talk about this a lot around here, that God created you for a purpose. Do you know that? God created you for a specific purpose in this world. And here's what I want to say. If my work is just about a check, if it's just about money, 
you know, what's in it for me mentality that we talked about last week. If that's why you work, I can tell you something about what's going to happen down the road. Your work is going to become a prison. Your work is going to become drudgery. You're going to begin to resent whatever it is that you do. Scripture says an intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. You know anybody like that? They're going all kinds of directions, going 10 different directions at once. They're always shifting gears. They're over here. They're over here. And pretty soon they're all over the map, and they're not going anywhere. And what I want to say is regardless of what kind of work you're in, you have to be moving in a direction. You have to have some goals. You have to be moving toward something. Because if you don't, you end up just spinning your wheels. You know, the first recorded words of Jesus. He's at the temple. His mom and dad find him at the temple. He's 12 years old. And he says, I must be about my father's business. That's the first words of Jesus ever recorded. Now, I think that he understood his purpose. At 12 years old, he understood what he was on this planet for. And then if you ramp ahead... Jesus is dying on the cross, and his last words were, it's finished. Now think about that. They're kind of like bookends. I must be about my father's work. He's talking about God. It's finished. He understood his purpose. Paul, Paul says in the book of Philippians, he says, this one thing I do. You know, he doesn't say these 40 things I dabble in, I get involved in. He says, Paul worked with a purpose, and he understood that purpose. And the Bible says that you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. Proverbs 13, 16 says, a wise person thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. I've said this often. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail, right? I mean, it's just that simple. Successful people make daily preparations in their life. Verse 5 of chapter 21 says, the plans of the diligent lead to what? Profit. As surely as haste leads to ruin. Plan your work, work your plan, and when you begin to have a plan in your life, it changes everything. You know, I get the, the misfortune, I guess, of hearing many people that hit midlife crisis And I'll hear things like, I worked for so long, I worked so hard. And then the question, for what? Why? Look at it. And many times, not always, but many times, as we unravel those conversations, they didn't clarify what they really wanted to do with their life. They didn't have a purpose at the beginning. They just kind of started off, and one day you wake up and you go, how did I get here? Now, I think what's important as we talk about these different things is to kind of rate yourself. And what I want you to do is rate yourself on these different areas. Uh, I think it brings a little bit of reality check. You know, how clear are you about your goals when it comes to your vocation? I mean, if you're sitting there going, well, I don't know, I don't have any goals, and it's just a job, then give yourself a one, you know? Because there needs to be more, more to it. And in fact, I, I, sometimes I think I, I trouble people because 
I'll hear those kind of things like, oh, that's just a check. And I'll finally go, why do you work a job like that? I mean, why would you want to spend your life doing something that doesn't mean anything to you? It, it doesn't make sense. Life's too short. Again, you're going to spend more time doing that than you are with your family. It's crazy. You know, if you, if you make preparations often, you go, you know, on a regular basis, I've got game plans for work and stuff, then maybe give yourself a five. And if you're sitting there today and you go, you know what? I've got goals when it comes to my life. I've, I've actually written them down. I've got goals not only for my life, but for my work and for where I want to be in the next five years. Then give yourself a 10. The fact is, only 5% of the people in the world actually sit down and write down goals for their life. And what's interesting, people that write those goals down normally meet those goals. They may readjust them along the way, but you've got to work on purpose, work with a plan. Otherwise, it'll become just a paycheck and drudgery. Second thing is exercise integrity. This is huge. You've got to integrate integrity into your work routine, into my space, into my work. You've got to make it foundational to, to make integrity something that you strive for. Proverbs 10.9 says, A person of integrity walks securely, but one who takes a crooked path will be found out. It's interesting. We live in a world, and I don't know if it bothers you, it, it troubles me as I watch the news and stuff, because... We live in a world that's interested in image. You know, what's on the outside? You know, how do I look? You know, dress for success, this kind of mentality. And the fact is, God says, you know what? I'm more interested in integrity, what, what's inside you. You know, who you really are, the real deal, so to speak. In other words, we're to strive to be the best we can be at whatever, whatever your, your vocation is in life. You know, God's word, if you spend a little bit of time in it, you find God will say things like if you're an employer, that what you ought to do is to treat your employees fairly, adequately, uh, not cheat them. And if you're an hourly employee, if uh, like you're getting paid for eight hours, you ought to work eight hours. You know, there ought to be a correlation between what, what you are to be or what you're, is expected and actually being that. You know, in other words, like a salesperson, uh, those of you in sales, it's sometimes really difficult because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm so close to closing the deal, but do you shade the truth along the way or misrepresent something in, in order to close the deal? Be a person of integrity, whatever your job is. You know, exercise that, that character muscle in, in your life and allow God to, to look and say, you know what, that's integrity, that's honor. Proverbs uh, 21.6 says, dishonest gain will never last, so why take the risk? Writes in 12.3, it says, wickedness never brings real success. As I look at the papers these days, I think, you know what? Integrity, ethics, seems to be missing in action. I mean, I think it, it's become a prisoner of war to things like greed and ambitious and this selfish, meistic mentality that the world says, well, I got to do what works for me. And, and it's infiltrated our, our space to a degree that, it, that it's just ugly. I mean, I was thinking about in, in my grown-up lifetime, 
people that I have watched go down, you know, Michael Milton, Milken um, with the junk bonds and racketeering, and he went down. Then Ivan Bosky, uh, $200 million in insider trading. You know, Charles Keaton from the Keaton Five, that uh, it was center stage with savings and loan scandal. Uh, you know, Bernard Eber from uh, WorldCom. Get this, 11 billion, not million, billion dollars in accounting fraud. 11 billion. Kenneth Lay, uh, more recently in Enron. And I don't have time to go through all the sports heroes. It just saddens me. I'm a big sports fan, but steroids and illegal recruiting practices and athletes and referees betting on games. The lack of integrity, friends, costs. It costs big time. Integrity affects how we act. There ought to be a consistency between what we say, what we say we believe, and how we live. That's called integrity. And I, I know I'd be a little bit naive to say that it's easy, because it's not. If it was easy, a lot of people would be doing it. But that's what we're called to. Now, I read a Time uh, article not long ago, Whatever Happened to Ethics, and uh, it said, not since the reckless 1920s has the business world seen such scandal. White-collar scams abound, insider trading, money laundering, green mail... The greed combined with technology has made stealing more tempting than ever. And the result, and I like this, says, what began as a decade of the entrepreneur is becoming the age of the pinstriped outlaw. Ouch. That hurts. Whatever happened to ethics in our society? Proverbs 16 says, the Lord demands fairness in every business deal. Integrity in my life, in my work. Again, evaluate yourself. If you're sitting there going, well, you know, I'm, I'm honest when it's convenient, give yourself a one. If you're sitting there going, you know what, I'm, I'm honest regardless, whether it costs me my job or whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be true to it, then give yourself a 10. But again, integrity. Where's integrity when it comes to work? Here's another one. Eliminate excuses. And that one sounds kind of odd, but Proverbs actually has a lot to say on this topic because it says that if we use a lot of excuses, one of the issues is it's connected to a thing called laziness. In fact, it says if a person's always uh, accusing or blaming everyone else and they've got all these excuses, I love this, Scripture calls them a sluggard. Isn't that neat? (laughs) Sluggard. I don't even like the word. But it it says, you've got to understand, the lazy person's full of excuses. I I can't go to work, they say. If I go outside, I might meet a lion in the street and be killed. (laughs) I wonder how many lions were wandering around Jerusalem's streets, you know. I mean, uh, maybe if the circus was in town. But um, it's amazing to me the excuses people use. The excuses I've caught myself using through the years. Because to somehow justify the fact that we, we don't accomplish or, you know, to justify our laziness in life. 
You know, we, a lot of times we'll try and rationalize, and I've, I've said this before, rational lies is what we do. We, we tell lies to ourselves. We tell lies to other people to try and rationalize what we're doing. You know, we play the excuse game, and friends, when you play that game, guess who loses? You do. You always lose. You're only kidding yourself with the lies, because most people walk away and go, well, whatever, I don't buy that. You know, we make excuses, and when you find yourself doing that, friends, you're the one that loses. You always lose in the excuse game. Proverbs fourteen twenty three says, work brings profit, talk brings poverty. Have you ever known a, a person that, like, talks a really good game? But then you're around them a little more, and, and you go, man, they talk a good game, but they're never making any movement. They're never moving forward. There's no action there. There doesn't seem to be any legs. Nothing's happening. Talk brings about poverty, and that costs you. Procrastination comes with a huge price. Ecclesiastes, also written by Solomon, Ecclesiastes says, dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. It's like the daddy talking to his son one day, and he said, Son, you need to do one hard thing every day. Son said, Well, Dad, I get out of bed. Teenage people, people that have teenagers get this. <laughs> he goes, Well, maybe you better do two hard things then. You know. the, the fact is, when it comes to work, don't live in a fantasy world. Don't always be looking at tomorrow. You know, thinking you're going to hit the jackpot at some point. Suddenly everything's going to fall into place. Dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. It will bite you in the end. You know, Proverbs 13 says, Lazy people want much, but get little, while the diligent are prospering. You ever hear someone, you know, when you're having a conversation, they'll go, Well, just waiting for my ship to come in. And I just want to scream. You know, I'm, I'm impatient. So, you know, it just kind of hits me. I'm going to go, quit waiting for the ship to come in. Swim out to it. Get out there. Get doing it. You know, I could give you 50 verses just out of the book of Proverbs on this one point. Because Solomon says, you know what? I can tell a lot about your work ethics. I can tell a lot about what you're going to accomplish. And Solomon says, if you're lazy, if you're always making excuses, it will destroy you. It will sap your energy. Don't make excuses. Accept responsibility. If you want to get a handle on my work, you've got to take those steps. You've got to take those steps. Evaluate yourself. Ask yourself, you know, how often do I excuse my behavior? You know, frequently, give yourself a one. Sometimes, give yourself a five. Never, give yourself a ten. You're moving in the right right direction there. Another thing is educate and equip yourself. Never stop learning. Never stop learning. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, never stop learning. Friends, this is applicable across the board, no no matter what, whether you're talking about work or being a parent or your spiritual life. Always be growing. Always be developing. You will not arrive at some point. Proverbs 15 says, intelligent people want to learn. I don't even like reading this last half. 
But stupid people, some of the older ones are going, you're not supposed to say stupid or fool. Stupid people are satisfied with ignorance. Don't raise your hand. Does anybody work with anybody that's brain dead? (laughs) You know, I mean, like the last time they opened a book was the night before finals, before they graduated. And at, at that, when they got their diploma, they go, thank God my education's over. And they were like a fortune teller. <laughs> they stopped learning. They stopped growing. They stopped developing. They stopped cracking a book open. They, they just quit. What's that about? You know, I've done a lot of mentoring through the years with young pastors. And uh, I'll always tell them, leaders learn. You will never arrive. You want to be a leader, you better be a learner. You've got to invest yourself in learning. Proverbs 18 says, Intelligent men and women are always open to new ideas. In fact, they are always looking for new insights. I mean, do you look for new insights in life? Are you adaptable? Are you flexible? Are you always learning? Are you open to change? Do you put yourself in a position where you can grow and learn? You know, one of the theories why dinosaurs went extinct was because they couldn't adapt to the the changing environment that they were in, and so they all died out. And my guess is that when you look at the workplace, you look around, you go, you know what, there's some dinosaurs here. And this has nothing to do with age. It has to do with people making a decision that they're not going to develop, they're not going to change, they're not going to grow they're not going to shift gears. I was reading in uh, U.S. News World Report. This was some time back, but it said the average worker today must process and assimilate 24 times more information than we did a decade ago. That's a lot. We've got to keep growing and learning. Whatever your vocation is, As a leader of faith fellowship, I understand that if this church is going to grow, if we're going to grow spiritually in our lives, I've got to grow. And the same is true in business. If you're going to grow in business, it requires men and women that grow in your business. You know, men and women that are developing and learning and expanding themselves. Where do you learn? Well, I think the first place is God's word. You've got to spend time in God's word. Proverbs 13, 13 says, despise God's word and you'll find yourself in trouble, but obey it and you'll succeed. The fact is, God's word is a a place that you find grounding. Last week, we talked a little bit about it. One of the places you can learn is hang out with wise friends. You know, iron sharpens iron. You know, find people that can help you be a better you. It says, get all the advice you can and you will succeed. Without it, you will fail. Another place, and we don't like this place of learning, but that is learn from your critics. Learn from the people that criticize you, that challenge you, that get in your face once in a while. And even if they're off base a little bit, listen through it and see what you can learn. Proverbs thirteen eighteen says, if you accept criticism, you're on the road to fame. That's interesting. I mean, how many of you like to be criticized? You know, how many of you realize that your critics can help you grow and learn? 
And then I think the number one place that, that most people learn is from failures. Parents, I've said this often, and I'll keep saying it often, let your kids fail because it's the best place that they will learn. In fact, you will usually learn more from failures than successes in life. Proverbs 28 says, a person who refuses to admit mistakes can never prosper, but if they admit and turn from them, they get another chance. Learn from your mistakes, never waste your mistakes, never waste those failures in life. Allow them to help you develop and grow. I always admire Thomas Edison because of his understanding of that. He says, don't call it a failure, call it an education. You know, when he was developing the light bulb, he tried a thousand other things that didn't work before he got it right. And he said, if I hadn't done all these things wrong, I wouldn't have figured it out. You know, evaluate yourself. What, what's your attitude toward learning in your life? Is your attitude, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Give yourself a one. Woo! Or is your attitude, you know, I, I'm willing to learn. I'm, I'm, open, I'm open to it, you know, when it happens. Give yourself a five. Or if you're sitting there today and you're saying, you know what? I am always reading and studying and actively trying to better myself and to find new ideas, trying to develop my skills, trying to grow, then give yourself a 10. You know, never stop learning. Never stop learning. Economize your time. Economize your time. Economy of motion. This is developing your skills. How often do you say things like, where did my time go? You know, where did, where did this day go? What happened? I didn't get anything done. Time, time is an equal opportunity employer. Everyone gets the same amount. We all have, get this, 168 hours this week. Nobody has more or less. We all have that much. How do they get more done? They economize. They understand economy of motion. And I'm going to say something that's going to bother some of us. This is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue. Time management is a spiritual issue because to waste time is sin. Now, don't misunderstand me. You need downtime. You need time to recreate. I'm I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying to waste time. In fact, I believe it may be one of the greatest sins that we can commit because time is life. And to waste time is to waste your life. I mean, you could have a, a surplus of money, but we all have a limited amount of time. A certain amount of time each day, each week, and ultimately a certain amount of time in our life. And we don't know how long that is. You know, Psalms 90 says, teach us to number our days. Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, make the most of time. Time management is a spiritual issue, and you've got to understand what, what you have, the value of time. How, how to not waste it is vital and important because it'll, just, it'll mess you up if, if you don't get a handle on that. The one who works will have more than enough food, but the one who wastes time will become very poor. Don't waste time. Don't waste your energy. For some, maybe the most spiritual thing you could do today 
stop by the bookstore and, and pick up a time management book. You know, go out to the mall, go in there and say, give me the best thing you got. Because once you begin to start living life effectively and efficiently, it changes things. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, if the axe is dull and unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. And the point is to work smarter, not harder, to develop your skills. That's what skill is. It's learning to do things more efficiently in your life. If you've got, if you've got an axe and you're chopping wood, and if it's dull, it takes a lot more energy. And that's why so many people walk around tired all the time because they got this dull axe. Again, my point is not to work harder, but work smarter in life. Develop those skills. Begin to, to expand whatever it is that you do. You know, whatever your profession is, if you're an accountant or a teacher or a salesperson or maybe a tech or a homemaker, develop your skills, get better at what you do, it will make a huge difference in your life. You know, ask yourself a couple questions on a regular basis. Is this the best use of my time? I have to ask that all the time. You know, I cannot do everything that everyone would have me do. And so I have to say, okay, what's the best use of my time? And is there an easier way to do this? And hear this. There is nothing noble about doing things the hardest way. It's not. If there's an easier way, do it. That's what skill is. Evaluate yourself on this. How did you do this past week when it comes to time? You know, one to ten. What do you think? Because there's three things you do with time. You either waste it, spend it, or invest it. And people that learn to invest their time wisely impact their future in a significant way. Here's the last one. Exhibit endurance. Exhibit endurance. Young people, hear this. Exhibit endurance. In other words, we're talking about your staying power, your stamina, your endurance. Again, you add skill to this and you've got a big time winner. But Proverbs 22 says... Do you know anyone who is hardworking? They will be successful and stand before kings. Some versions say, instead of in obscurity. You know, hardworking people win. People that understand that when they hit that point, when most people quit, they keep going. They persevere. They endure. They're, they're determined. You know, I think there's a myth in our world today, and that is successful people do everything right the first time. That's not true. It's not true. I've had the opportunity through the years to be around some very, very successful people. And one of the things I figured out as I spent time and and studied, I've told you I'm an observer. I I like to, to watch. But what I figured out is successful people probably make as many mistakes as anyone else. The difference is that when they stumble, when they fail, when they fall, they get back up and they go again. They just don't get down. They don't give up. They're tenacious. They, they learn from their failures. They learn. They grow. They expand. They don't live perfect lives. But they live lives that they're very determined and they just keep going. They just keep going. They chase it. You know, I think about basketball players. I love basketball. But even the best of the best only make half their, their shots. The greatest quarterbacks of all times, people like Terry Bradshaw, for instance. (laughs) Actually, his stats are pretty bad, but uh, he's got four rings. Um, 
but you know, six out of 10 passes. The best hitters in baseball only get on base 40% of the time, and that includes walks. You know, top oil companies they, that have expert geologists that work for them, they hit one out of 10 oil wells that they dig. Successful actors, they've, they've ran stats on them. The most successful actors are turned down 29 times out of 30 auditions. Think about that. Big-time investors, I read this just recently, people that are big-time investors in, in the stock market, they make money on two out of every five investments they make. I would go broke <laughs> with that kind of stat. You are not a failure because you fail. The, the fact is, if at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. We all are going to fail. You become a failure when you quit, when you give up. And it's a choice, friends. You know, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to see this through. No matter what the obstacles, no matter what the challenges, no matter what the problems are, I'm going to keep on pressing and keep on keeping on. Proverbs 24, 16 says, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But the one... Disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Even godly people, even Christians, fail. We stumble. We fall. We all make mistakes. We all make dumb decisions. We all take wrong turns. That's just a fact of life. But the difference between people that can make a difference and those that don't are those that get up and keep going on. You know, I, I always liked uh, the movie Gone with the Wind, my, one of my favorite theologians, Scarlett O'Hara. Tomorrow is another day. That's the kind of mentality we need in our lives. You know, if you're discouraged today, you know, we all have things that, that hit us, and they hit us between the eyes sometimes. But if we're discouraged, it's because we choose to be discouraged, because it truly is a choice it's what you're looking at. You know, is the cup half full or half empty? You get to choose. You know, it's a mentality for life. You can choose to think about God's promises and God's word, or you can focus on the circumstances. And I can tell you, friends, when you focus on the circumstances, it will bring you down. I was recently rereading the, the book, Pour Your Heart Into It. Uh, it's how Starbucks built a company. They said one, one cup at a time. And it's a good read if you're a business person. It's a, it's a great read. But uh, the CEO, Howard Schultz, wrote it. And he was talking about how in those early years when they were just a couple stores in the, in the world and they, they were sitting there trying to expand the company, that they had certain values that they wanted to stay true to these values in their lives. And it was things like uh, employees and customers are, are just as important as profit. You know, that a corporation can be responsible economically as well as socially. That they, those two things can coexist within a company. And he kind of walked through all their struggles as a company in the early years and their failures. And they had a lot of them. And how they would get at certain issues and wrestle with it. And they'd face the obstacle and they'd just keep on keeping on. And finally, they developed what I talk about often around here, coffee called Starbucks, you know. 
And I was thinking about, this is just me, I was thinking about the worlds that they've changed people's lives, you know, all the employees that they employ now, um, people that uh, have become millionaires because of, of their product, people that are investors in, in Starbucks, uh, people that were suppliers or builders or manufacturers or vendors. And then I got thinking about countries that they've changed because a country's main export was coffee and because of the work that they do with different countries, they've made a big difference. All because a group of people fought through the obstacles and kept pressing on. And it's interesting, several years ago, uh, he stepped down as their CEO. And then in recent times, if you watch the news much, they've kind of hit some hard, hard times. They're struggling as a company. And guess who they went to? They went back to Schultz and said, We'd like you to come back on board and lead us again. And you know why they went to him? It wasn't because he's the smartest guy in the world. They understood this about him. He's tenacious, and he will not stop till he gets a handle on the issues at hand. Persistence. It's a valuable quality in life, especially when it comes to work. Evaluate yourself. How persistent are you? You know, if you're sitting there going, well, I don't know. I kind of bail out when the first problem comes along. Give yourself a one. Or maybe you're sitting there going, you know, I do pretty good, but then when people start criticizing me, well, I'm, I'm out then. Give yourself a five maybe. And if you're sitting there saying, you know what? I keep on pressing on no matter what. Give yourself a 10. So there you go, six pieces, godly advice. I think you begin to apply those to my work. It gives God his place in your space. And it makes all the difference in the world. It pays high, high dividends. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to, to work, to use our minds, to use our physical labor, to use our creativity, use that meticulousness or that passion to teach or to make something that other people can walk in and enjoy Whatever it is, God, whatever our vocation, whatever our work, I pray that we let you in that space. Whatever company we lead or work for, that it's a better place because we're there. God, I pray that you would instill in us that kind of desire. And to remember that really when all said and done, we work for you. God, help us to be the best we can be in the marketplace. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.